So what we're going to be talking about this morning, our theme this month has actually been about that God is good. God is good. Amen. And I mean, it's a simple, simple concept, but really sometimes going back to those basics is a really good thing to do to just get that refresher that, you know, everything that God's doing is good. God doesn't do anything bad because he doesn't have anything bad. There's nothing bad in him. So anything that he does in our lives is for good. And so we need to remember those things. And so we've heard from Pastor Tina at the beginning of the month. Last, last week we heard from Pastor Joy about God is our good shepherd and that he's our protector and that he's leading us on to our destinies. And this week we're going to be talking about the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, as our good teacher. So just as to introduce this, I have a, a great quote by Benjamin Franklin, and uh, not only a founding father of the United States, but a man of God as well. And what he said was, if you tell me, I'll forget. If you teach me, I'll remember. And if you involve me, then I'll learn, right? So there's an element to teaching, right, where we can get the instruction and we can get the revelation to it. And then putting that into practice in our lives is where we really see the fruit coming out of that, right? And so teachers have been an important role in all of our lives. If we go back to our formative years, well, probably all of us have had a chance to go to school and from at least grade one, and now even in kindergarten, they start at full time. But uh, when I was a child, it was grade one full-time, all the way up through elementary school and then high school, and then if people go on to post-secondary, they've got that as well. And as a child, you're going, really, that teachers have a major influence in our lives. We spend about 30 hours a week as children going to school, right? And so as parents, we believe and pray for our teachers, that our kids, that they're going to have the right teachers and that they'll have the right influence in their lives, because it is so critical. But just to start off, to see what are a few things about teachers that are good, right? What would make a good teacher? Maybe you have a thought of a memory from your past of a teacher that stands out to you, one that was good, or maybe one that was not so good, really on the other side of the spectrum. Usually it's the extremes that we remember, isn't it? It's not always you know, the ones that were just, yeah, it was okay. But if when we think about a good teacher, sometimes that could be one that is understanding, right, that they are patient, right, if, you, if we don't understand what the teacher is teaching the lesson that week, that they have some patience to review it over with us, maybe one-on-one -on -one after class, maybe in a, pointing it out in a different way or giving us a, another example of what that looks like so that you can grasp the concept. Another one would be communication skills, that it's an, not only one thing to have the information in our heads, but then to be able to communicate that, right? So a good teacher, usually they're pretty informed, right? If they're teaching a high school course in biology or chemistry or physics or something, they sure as heck better know what they're talking about. Um, and, uh, but we have to be able to convey that message. A teacher needs to do that and do that in a way that is understandable. That can make sometimes, thank you, a concept relatable and understandable. And another thing that I've appreciated about teachers is that they make things that are down to earth. And that, how does this have to do with me? What does abstract art really have to do with me? How can I relate that to me so I can gain some value out of this course that I'm taking? 
because if I, if I can't gather anything, then chances are, A, I won't understand it, and then B, I won't remember it, and when it's test time, I'm sunk. So, so I always try to see if I can grasp the concept that helps me a lot as I'm going along. And if we look on the other side, I think it's important to consider too that what is a poor teacher or some qualities maybe that we hope not to have in a teacher. Maybe a teacher who could be an expert, but maybe the way that they're talking to their stu students is more of a condescending manner where I'm on this high pedestal as a teacher talking down to my students and they're these puny, minuscule peasants, if you will, and they sure had better learn the first time around because if not, then it, it's gonna, they're going to be sorry at the end of the course. And that doesn't really help us learn, right? It doesn't even help set the environment for us to be eager to learn the subject that's at hand. If they're impatient, that's another one that isn't really that helpful, right? If we think about it and the, the teacher is just not really, really willing to take that time to explain things, maybe in a new light, like I had mentioned before, in another way for someone who learns a different way, then that is not all that helpful. And maybe only just using one type of communication style, not being very flexible, that a lot of times, you know, using different types of ways to teach, that teachers these days, especially to keep students' attention, maybe as part of the class, they might show a video or they might give a practical example or an object lesson, something like that, to make these concepts come alive and to help students interact with, with the material. Because some of us learn by listening and watching, so that's some of us. Some of us might learn more by if we actually get to go and do it ourselves. Don't give me a lot of information. Just let me work with the material and then I'll get it. And, and others can learn in other ways. Okay, maybe by writing things down or reading through the material themselves. So just a couple, and I think of an example along that lines, then was a chemistry teacher that I had in high school. And uh, he was a great guy. Don't get me wrong that way. And, uh, and I did like him as a person, but what was hard for me is that he was kind of like that absent-minded professor, if you might think of that. For those of us who are maybe old enough or watched enough reruns from years ago, watched some of the, like the old classic Disney movie about the uh, absent-minded professor, then that person has a lot of understanding, a lot of knowledge up here, brilliant, but then has little ability to be able to communicate that to other or lacks those social skills, right? And, uh, and just kind of on the funny note is this teacher, my mom actually worked at the school that I was going to at that time. And, uh, and she had told me that, uh, that this teacher, he'd actually at least one time had eaten somebody, one of the other teacher's lunches that he, cause his wife packed his lunch and, and he was, and he had it and he got mixed up, I guess like that. And, but he was so good at, so knowledgeable in what he was doing and just a matter of conveying that in a way that was really providing some understanding there to, to others and the students. And so I, I remember even one time that when I had trouble understanding some chemistry concept we, that we were taking, I went to another teacher who was in, in sciences as well and said, Mr. Sir, would you help me? I really don't know what this is about and I need some help here. And uh, so those are some examples of things that maybe not what we want to look at. On the positive end of things, that uh, actually that same teacher the, uh, that I went to for some extra help, he was my science and biology teacher. 
from high school, and, and he was so good. I ended up taking all of his courses from grade 9 right up to what we had was OAC or grade 13 at that time. And what he did was he was practical. He made learning fun, and he incorporated different things that he, when he tested us, he said he was more interested in what we were learning and that we got the concepts, not if we had everything exactly memorized word for word. And so the students that were in his class, that they really excelled because they could really understand what he was talking about and he really cared about his students, that he was invested in their success. So moving along then, how can we apply this over? Let's take a look a little bit about the Holy Spirit as our good teacher. Because he is. And to be honest, before I really was diving into this, thinking of the Holy Spirit as a teacher was kind of a, a little bit different concept because we don't see him like standing up like I'm standing up here today talking to you, right? He doesn't usually, I mean, maybe you do see him talking to you like that when you're at home. Uh, I don't, but, but he does teach us and he does instruct us. So let's just go over a couple of scriptures here to help highlight what he's like. So if we look in the Old Testament even, in Psalm 143, verse 10, it says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. And he wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. And he wants us to know what's happening. He wants us to lead us in the right ways to walk with God. In Psalm 119, verse 68, he says, You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Or you could say, teach me your laws. And that word there in the Hebrew, I looked it up in the Strong's Concordance, that you do good means to be pleasing, to be joyful, beneficial, pleasant, favorable, right, and, and happy as well. And an honorable in that kind of way. And the Lord is all of those things with us. He absolutely is. So let's look at a few qualities about the Lord. That number one, that he is patient. So we can come, and that's something that I sure need. I don't know about you, but as I'm walking along and sometimes making some mistakes, not intentionally, right? But sometimes we all make mistakes, and we need someone who's going to be patient with us, and he's patient with us along our journey. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let's look at a scripture here from 1 Timothy verse one, uh, chapter 1 and verse 16 that Paul is talking to Timothy and he's telling him really about how God's had patience with him. He says, But for that reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So I got thinking about that and thinking, well, what is he really meaning? The Lord's expressing his immense patience. And it didn't take me that long to really think about Paul's background, to think, oh yeah, you know what? He, the Holy Spirit needed a lot of patience with Paul, right? When we think about it, Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul, he was a Pharisee. So he was a teacher of the religious law, studied like no tomorrow, knew the law inside and out, and was teaching others how to obey the Jewish laws and the Jewish traditions. And he was even so zealous 
that when he found believers in the way that we know as Christianity today, that he was convinced that he needed to do God a favor and go ahead and get rid of these people following the way because they were taking people away from following the God of the Jews. And so he was going and putting these people in prison and locking them up and persecuting them. But we know that the Lord was trying to get a hold of him all along that way, that it wasn't just one time that the Lord spoke to him. The time that's recorded in the Bible is in, uh, when the Lord actually came to him in a bright light on his road to Damascus, he was going to actually take a bunch of believers off to jail. And the Lord literally, with the bright light, knocked him off his high horse and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What are you doing? And, and so as, I, as he heard that, and he was looking at those things, then he began to realize, he got a revelation pretty quick at that moment, that I'm going the wrong way. I'm doing the wrong thing. And over the next few days, that Paul, Saul, who later became Paul, realized that, okay, I was going the wrong way. And now I see all these things that the Lord was telling me along the way that I was wrong, that he was trying to gently show me the right way and to be persistent in that, and I missed it. But he is so patient, so patient. And he, and he comes to us in multiple ways. He'll do whatever it takes to get our attention because he loves us, because he loves us so, so much. If we think about that, that is so amazing, so amazing. Just an example from, from my own life to also where I was thinking about where the Lord's been patient with me, that I, I work in social services. I, I help with financial assistance with the Niagara region. And uh, so I have people that, that I meet with that maybe don't have any other income that they uh, need some help with that, need some direction and some tips to help them get back on their feet and, and become financially independent again. And I've been doing, working this role for about four years now. And before that, the previous 10 years, the first 10 years of my career, I was working in employment services. And for any of you from the area, maybe you, you know things like that, that, that the government does fund programs like this to help people look for a job, to find out what do I need to do if, if I'm having trouble finding work, what do I need to do to, to do that? And so I had the privilege of being able to meet with a lot of people from the community and help them figure out better ways to look for a job, help them do career planning, and, and just encourage them along their path. And it was really quite a lot of fun, that part of the job. And, but I was working for a nonprofit organization and uh, the part about working for nonprofits that I didn't really enjoy so much is that what comes with that also is that they called it targets, we can call it goals to make more sense, that you would have goals, things that you would have to meet, how, so many people that, that you needed to help throughout the year, and so then you know, we would break it down by month and that kind of thing, and, and how many people were successful, they would evaluate how you were doing. And, and so sometimes it was easy to get caught up in evaluating how you were doing and not really realizing the, how, the people that you were helping. And so I was finding at the end of the month, on a lot of months, that I was just finding myself stressed out, like I've got more things, you know, thinking about these, these numbers and what I was needing to take care of, and, and I just found it really hard to be able to focus on what I needed to do and, and help these people. And so early on in my career, 
that my lovely wife, Pastor Lottie, is sitting up here, that uh, she had encouraged me, Jeremy, why don't you apply for the region? Like, I think you should go check that out. So she said that, and the first couple of times, I just like, no, I don't think so. I don't think I'd like that at all. And, and I wasn't interested. And actually, I, I probably can't count how many times she told me because I would consider that thought and then just think, okay, this isn't what I want to do at all, for sure. So, but at one point, it came about four years ago where I was just getting to that place where I was, again, just having some really hard times and just finding myself really overwhelmed by what was going on at work and, and enough was kind of getting to be enough. And, and so graciously and patiently that she said again, have you thought about checking out the region? And at this point, my heart was ready. At this point, I was able to really consider that a little bit more. And a couple of key things that happened in my life just before that, and I mean days, weeks before kind of thing, was that I had a significant rhema uh, where the Lord had just spoken some things to me that really had set me free in some areas, some fears that I was dealing with that really helped me to be able to embrace change and to be able to, be, to have the mental space to even think about trying something new. Also, that I had had an appointment recently then with Dr. Pritula, the naturopath that, uh, that we see from time to time. And, uh, and he's a believer, spirit-filled, loves the Lord too, and, and has been so helpful. And with both of those things that, that I knew, at least from those, that they really just prepared me for those next steps. And so at that point, when I considered it, then I was like, okay, I'll take a look at this. And I knew of someone who was working that I used to work with for a short time at my employment service job, and she had gone on to the region, which was kind of a new thing, something that I hadn't had before. And just knowing the way that her personality was, was if this is good for her, I know it's gonna be good for me too, right? Because everybody works differently. And, uh, and so I just wanted to make sure that I was gonna be able to do this job and was I even gonna like it at all. And so after having a chance to talk with her, I found out, wow, this is really gonna be great, really gonna be a blessing. So I went on, applied for that job, and, uh, and the rest is history. So the Lord just opened the door and, and really just been a big blessing. So praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, and so men in the room, whether you're married or not married, maybe wanting to be married sometime, sometimes the voice of Holy Spirit can be spelled W-I-F-E. <laughs> so give a shout out to the wives in the building. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Definitely important to listen to your wife. And sometimes we don't know, don't realize Holy Spirit is talking to us about something, right? But we have trust that he's going to illumine things at the right time, right? And it was the perfect time. That was. You know, that the timing wasn't before, but the Lord knew that I needed to hear things, not just at that last moment, but along that path to really seriously be able to consider that as a new option. Amen. So the next thing is the Holy Spirit is gentle. And I so appreciate that about him that, you know, we've heard it said that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and it is so true that he won't force himself upon us, that he'll even prod us, even just to encourage us gently to come to know him. If you look at the time when you got saved, if that was somewhere across your life, not when you were a, you know, just a young child, 
then you can see even, wow, the Lord had been speaking to me and patient with me. And when you got saved, you didn't do it because you were forced to or, you know, the God put a gun to your head. If you don't, I'm knocking you off right now. <laughs> He's not the mafia. But, but what he did was that he spoke to you and, and out of that gentleness and that love, you could see that he really truly cared about you and what he's done for you has made you want to come pursue him. And that's the way he does it in all of our process. We grow in that same way, that he won't force us to change. You might be desperate for us to change, but he's presenting that to us and he'll do that and gently show us those things. If you look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, that's one of the first, or well, one of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, right? So if it comes, if he's expecting us to be gentle, expecting us to grow in that gentleness, that fruit really comes from him. So of course he's going to be the same way. It totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Thank you, Lord. And when we think about the Old Testament, even as Pastor Joy had talked about last week, Psalm 23, the first few verses, I'm going to read them for you, that the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. And as we learned last week, that shepherds don't drive sheep like we see people driving cattle, right? That a shepherd will go on ahead and the sheep will follow, but they won't follow one that they think they're going to get hurt by, right? Or injured or threatened, right? They have to trust the voice of the good shepherd, right? And so they have to know that he's got their best interest in mind and that he's going to be gentle with them. And we can see that, that he gently will lead us in the right way that we should go. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that can even be evident too and even just in how, you know, great ways to that we can parent our children and taking, I had a, well, I'm a parent of, of five children, my wife and I, that uh, we have five from ages from four all the way up to 13. And uh, so, and we have the grace to do that. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. <laughs> and so how many of us know if you're a parent, maybe it's a good idea to get a little bit of advice now and again, right? And so one of those things that, uh, that we did, a, a seminar that I was listening to, an encouragement, one of the subjects was using your calm voice. Now, you ask my kids, I'm not an expert, I am working on it. <laughs> and, uh, but using our calm voice is really, even when we're feeling angry, helps with learning. The Bible says in Proverbs 16:21 that with the sweetness of lips increases learning, right? So that's how we learn, right? We don't really learn too much by people yelling at us and threatening us, but we learn by that sweetness, right? And a little story to demonstrate that and kind of show you a little bit about, about me too is that, that um, me growing up, that I grew up in a Christian home and so uh, it was evangelical, so we, we went to church every Sunday and we were involved in our church and how we did things back then, different than you know how we do things now, is that kids would usually be in church with their parents. And even as a young schoolboy, that that was what I needed to do, sit in church in the pew with my parents. And kids were seen and not heard, 
right? So, and, uh, and so, of course, you know, we wanted to, didn't want our parents to be uh, not proud of us as we're at church, but do the best we can to not get too antsy. And so, you know, listening to the pastor from week to week that, uh, you know, you can hear them talking to other grown-ups there about grown-up topics, right, that maybe didn't really, couldn't understand all of the language that they would use, maybe didn't understand how that really related to me. And so as, as a child then, I remember I was 10 years old and sitting in church and just the thought kind of suddenly came to me, this has got to be the most boring job out there being a pastor. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I really thought this was the most boring job out there. And it's not like I'd been evaluating it for weeks on end and, and what uh, credibility did I have as a 10-year-old boy. But that was my thought because I just thought, well, they just get up and say a bunch of boring stuff and go home and do the same thing next week. <laughs> and as soon as I said those words, I heard the voice of the Lord gently speaking to me. He said, that's what you're going to be. And not in a way of pointing down at me, but just what it did in me was it gave me courage and gave me a new perspective that, wow, this is actually going to be great that I get to encourage people and strengthen people. And where I was going this way, with one simple word from the Lord, it just turned me going completely the other way. And isn't it wonderful how the Lord can do that? It is. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so really, since 10 years old, that's been my goal, has really been to be a pastor. I've gone and done, worked in other areas, and my career, well, as far as working career, has been in other fields and stuff such like that. But the calling of God is different necessarily than what your natural vocation is, right? So I can work in social services, but still my calling can be a pastor. So, and I'm pastoring as much here, there, as I'm pastoring here too, right? Because the calling is the same, isn't it? And the anointing is there that's on your life and who you are and how God's made you to be to influence those that are in your area, in your community, in the people that you work with or that you serve at your work in your neighborhood. It's so important. And the third thing that I'd like to say about the Lord, how we know that he is good as a teacher is that he knows what I would call the course curriculum. And so what I'm meaning by that is, let's say if we go back to you know high school biology, for example, my teacher for grade 11, that he knew at the beginning of grade 11, here's the information that I knew up to that point, or us, we, as the students knew, and that by the end of January of the, of the next the end of semester, that he knew that, well, I have to get these students to this point, right? And so the information that all that I needed to know was broken down by unit by unit, and then broken down week by week from there, and even day by day. So everything that was taught was valuable. Everything had a purpose. Nothing was useless information or just filler because we have to be in school. Is It all had a purpose to teach us and to prepare us for the testing at the end of that term. And the Lord is all about preparing each one of us for what's coming ahead, right? And he has a destiny for each one of our lives. And he's got a calling for you, whether that's, that might not be to be a pastor, maybe that is, maybe that's to do something else, right? But the calling on your life is still there. And the calling for each person is so valuable that the Lord has even said in places like 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about 
the body is that every part is critical, right? Every part, not just one part. We're not all an eye. We're not all a nose. We're not all a mouth. We're not all the hands. But we all have a valuable part in the body of Christ because even if we don't have our baby toe, that we can't balance right. So every role is significant. Every place is essential, essential. God doesn't have some that are valuable and some that are not valuable in the things of God. So as long as we're coming and we're working with the Lord and we're showing up to class, if you want to call it that way, you know, participating with the Lord, listening to what he has to say to us, then we have a chance to learn and a chance to grow in the things of God. So in closing today, just to reflect that we're learning, we know that Holy Spirit is a good teacher, that he has our best interest in mind, Amen. that it's not to advance his own agenda. He's not selfish, but he's here. He's going to be patient with us, that he's going to be gentle. He's got, going to be working out the plan to get you to fulfill the great plan of God that is on your life. And that is such a critical thing, such a critical thing. So what can we do as we start to think, how can I embrace this understanding of Holy Spirit as my good teacher? The first of all, we can trust. Trust that God has a good plan. He promised us in Jeremiah 29 that he knows those plans he has for us. He knows that they're good plans. They're not evil plans. They're plans to prosper us, plans to give us hope and a future something that we can expect that's a great thing for your life. Praise the Lord. We can also look at God's track record that even though we don't know what's at the end of our course, right? We, don't, we haven't seen the end from the beginning, that he'll give us glimpses of that, but there's an element there that we know what his track record is like, that look where God has provided for you in the past. Look where you've stood on the promise of the Lord and he's come through for you. Look where you believed him and trusted him even when things looked terrible, that you stood on the word of God and God came through for you, that he met your financial need, that he brought a breakthrough in your relationship, that he restored something there, that he brought a healing to you physically, maybe emotionally, mentally, that he restored your soul. He is faithful. He is faithful. And we can also have a joyful attitude as we go forward because that joy really comes from what we're expecting. And we can expect good things. If we know we have a good teacher with good things on the way, then yeah, we're going to be expecting, right? We're going to be eagerly ready to do what he asks us to do. Maybe it's doing something different. It might be stepping out and talking to a neighbor you've never talked to. It might be, maybe he will ask you to do something different, like maybe pray for someone, pray for their healing, and you've never done that before, you know? Or maybe it's stepping out in a, in a new responsibility at church, something that he's been tugging on your heart about, and you're like, Lord, I could never do that. Or, you know, I, I don't know if I could even just step that far and do that, or I don't know if I have the time to do that. But he knows. He knows, so we can have a joyful attitude in our process. So as we're just preparing to close, just close your eyes, if you would. 
And just take a quick moment just to listen to what Holy Spirit is wanting to say to you. Is there something there that he's nudging you about today? Thank you, Lord. Perhaps there's a behavior that he's been pointing out to you that needs changing. You know, maybe it's something where you just realize, you know what, there's an, an attitude that I've had that really hasn't been so great, and I need to change that. Maybe it's something else, you know, working on the patience or the gentleness, allowing him to work that in you, those fruits of the Spirit, working on our love walk and loving the unlovely. Maybe it's something simple like just spending some more time with him, maybe five minutes a day more in his word, or maybe spending a few minutes just praying in the Spirit, or maybe meditating to see what that promise looks like that he's given you and you haven't seen come to pass. That's investing in your future. That's investing in your future. As you see those things in your heart, inside your mind's eye, what he's showing you, then you're bringing light, you're giving fuel to that promise that he's put in your heart, that you're allowing it to come to life, come alive, maybe once again, where something had seemed to die and it's just been embers that he wants to bring those alive to you today or perhaps maybe you need to know him in a new way today maybe it's accepting him as lord of your life or maybe recommitting your heart to him thank you lord god thank you lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's just pray together. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you so much that you are a good teacher. Lord, that you've seen the end from the beginning. You know everything that we need to know. And you're desperately trying to get us the information, the revelation, the insight, the things that will help us move forward, that will catapult us into our destinies. God, as we just listen to you, Lord, I just thank you in advance for revelation knowledge, Lord, that your truth will set each one of us free, Lord, in that area that you're speaking to us. And we just thank you so much for that. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.